Giving you the privilege. How many y'all know it's a privilege? Giving you the privilege to become a child of God. The number one reason why he went through Golgotha and the place of the skull and went into the heart of the earth is so that you could have the privilege. And the next one it says is the right. How many y'all know you got rights, man? You have some rights. You have a privilege and the power what? To be called what? To be called the sons and the daughters of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on His name. Sometimes we just say, well, I believe in God. Yeah, but do you adhere? Do do you rely on? Do you trust in that name? Because that word believe, it's a big word. Adhere just means do you stick to Him? I mean, I'll uh, experience Gorilla Glue. I was just talking to Jamie, uh, my brother-in-law, yesterday because I'd never, I'd never been introduced to Gorilla Glue, but I got some. And man, that stuff is for, it's for real. It like foams and bubbles and then it just locks and it's like the Gorilla. No wonder they named it Gorilla. So here he's saying, listen, people that believe in or that stick to that name, to trust in that name, to that rely in that name. Those are the people. He says, I've qualified you. I've privileged you. I've given you the power and the right not to live the mundane, normal life. I've given you the privilege and the right to be a child or a daughter of God, a son or a daughter of God. And he says, next verse, next part here, he says, who owe their birth. Very interesting. He says, you owe your birth. Not to blood, nor to the will or to the flesh or of a physical impulse. You don't owe your birth to even the will of a man or of a natural father. You owe your birth to God. You are born of God. Let's talk a little bit about birth this morning. How many of y'all remember uh, the day that you entered the world? Your mother does. I guarantee you your mother remembers. The day that you arrived, it was a significant day. You became a child, a daughter of your parents. And with that, now let's read Romans, because with you becoming a child of God, there are some benefits. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if indeed... I'm sorry, and if children, then we are heirs. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified also with him. Three different things here that the Bible says uh, happens whenever you and I became born again. The first thing here is the Bible says that you've actually been adopted. Now, what does that mean? Have you ever adopted anything? Not necessarily a child. Yesterday, my kids were trying to get me to adopt some dogs. Every other Saturday at Tractor Supply, the Amish people come and they see They've got all these booths set up. But then there was a booth there for dog adoption. 
And here they come. And they didn't come to me. Y'all know who they came to, right? The children. Oh, he'd be a very... And then here comes Ansley. I want a dog. I want a dog. I want a dog. And I said, I'm not adopting a dog. If you adopt something, you have to want it. You pick it out. There's actually a process for it. The Williams have just recently adopted two dogs. And if you're going to adopt a dog, you really want that thing. You chose it. You picked it. And and you signed papers for it. And actually, legally, if you adopt uh, someone, that that person legally can't be written out of the will. In other words, you can write your own kids out of the will. But if you adopt somebody, they're yours. You, you, you chose them. And I want you to know that God chose you and I. He put thought into it. He wrote out a contract with the blood of his son. He adopted you and I. He picked you out with all of your insecurities, all your imperfections, all the things that you think he doesn't like. He don't care. He chose you. The next thing he says is once he chose you, he says the reason he chose you is so that you can call him Abba Father. What does Abba? That's not a band. Y'all remember that band? I don't. I'm not that old. Sorry. You Adaba fans. But Abba, it actually, it's a, it's a term of endearment or actually means Daddy. So Jesus says, listen, he says, listen, you've been adopted. You're a child of God. He chose you. He picked you with all of your problems so that you could call him Abba Father. Or that just means daddy. You, you can call him your dad. And everybody's got different things that they call. You know, my dad was daddy. Daddy. Uh, my father-in-law, he's dad-o. But that's a term of endearment. In other words, there's a familiarity there that Jesus brought. That, that everybody before Jesus called God Jehovah or called him Jah or called him. They, they had these high lofty names for him. But Jesus came and he said, that's father. That's my daddy. And he says, I'm giving you the privilege through me, through my name, through faith and trusting and in hearing in my name. He says, I give you the right, the privilege and the power to now be a son and daughter daughter of God and to call him your very own daddy and I don't know what your daddy was like but Jesus said he says listen I'll be a father to the fatherless that even if you didn't have a good dad and honestly I believe that's why the devil messes up families and homes and relationships with dad just if he can mess up that relationship that relationship is supposed to be a type of the heavenly relationship so if he can mess up your 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 uh Uh, thinking of your own natural father, then you have a hard time considering him your heavenly father. But, and that's all right. But through time, you can, you can move from just him being God to him being your daddy. If I adopted an eight year old or a 10 year old or a 14 year old, it would maybe take him a little while to call me daddy. It may, he may want to start out calling me Mr. Kevin. But I would have to tell him, I'd say, listen, I adopted you. You're eating my food. That means something. You're sleeping in my bed. I got to buy you a car. I got to put you through college. I chose you. I picked you. I wanted you. you there, at some point, you need to move beyond Mr. Kevin. At some point, you need to see me for what I really am to you. And God wants us to move out of just being, he is this 
high seated on a throne, although he is. And the reason that he did what he did and the reason we celebrate today is so that we can move right into that place as a son and a daughter of God. Third thing he says, he says, once you move into that place, he says, he says, you're an heir. In other words, Jesus died and left you an inheritance, which is uh, not totally unusual because many people die. And they leave their kids an inheritance. And the Bible says here that because you're an heir, he says you're an heir of God. Just blow your mind. Everything that God has, he says, listen, I'm going to make you an heir. You're going to be an heir of God. The next thing he says is a joint heir with Jesus Christ. A co-heir with Jesus Jesus and you, same wonderfulness, the same love that God has for Jesus, he transferred it to you. You're saying, you're saying that God loves me just as much as Jesus. I'm saying he might even love you more because he sent Jesus to die for you. I mean, for, for, what would it take for me to give up one of my own kids? A bunch. I must think a whole lot of the people that I would be willing to do that for. What's all this mean? I'm telling you, Jesus thinks a lot of you. He chose you. He picked you. Gave you the privilege, the power, and the right. And as long as you'll adhere to, trust in, rely on him, then, then there is a supernatural adoption and an access that you have to him because you have faith in his name. And with that, there is an inheritance. And as you spend time with him, he'll reveal to you your inheritance. And he'll say, I died for, so that you could have this. Stripes on my back so that you could have this. I was bruised for your iniquity so that you could have this. The penalty or the payment for you to have peace was on, my, was on, was on me so that you can, you can have and live in peace. John chapter 3, I want to read this passage of scripture here because this is Nicodemus and this is where we get the term born again. Kind of, a, a kind of an unusual term here. Born again. Again, uh, John chapter 3, verse number 1. Again, I'm going to be reading it and amplified this morning. I'm going to give you three things that Jesus told Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a smart guy. He had his doctorate in theology. Probably memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. A very, very astute person uh, mentally as far as the Bible is concerned. But he came to Jesus in the middle of the night. Verse number one says this. Now there was a certain man among the Pharisees and he was named Nicodemus. He was a ruler or a leader and authority among the Jews. He came to Jesus at night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that for certain we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles, and produce the proofs. How many of y'all glad our God can prove it? Come on, can't no other God do that? Ours can back it up. And then Nicodemus comes to him, he, says, he calls him teacher. He says, I'm not convinced you're the Messiah, but I know you ain't normal. I'm not convinced you're the son of God, but there's something about you because I've seen the wonder works and I've seen the proof. You're obviously out of this world. And I don't know if you're an alien or if you are, in fact, the son of God. That's why I'm coming at nighttime so nobody can see me. 
because I don't want anybody to know that I'm coming to you because my reputation is at stake because I have a good reputation. So I'm coming to you at night because I want to find out some things about you and from you and how do you do what you do. And Jesus tells him, I'm glad Jesus will tell you, even if you come at night, whenever you come to him, he's just glad that you came. He says, Jesus answered him and he says, I assure you most solemnly I tell you that unless a person is born again, anew or from above, he cannot ever see or he can't know or be acquainted with or experience the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb again and be born? And Jesus answered and said, assure you, most solemnly I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. What is born from the flesh is flesh, the physical is physical, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not or don't be surprised or astonished at my telling you. You must all be born. Let's see how many times he says this word born. He says, you must all be born anew from above. The wind blows or breathes where it wills. And and though you hear the sound, yet you neither know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered by asking, how can all this be possible? And Jesus replied, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not know or understand these things? Are they strange to you? I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, we speak. Speak only what we know, and we know absolutely what we're talking about. We have actually seen what we testify of. We are eyewitnesses of it. And still you do not receive our testimony. You reject and refuse our evidence, that of myself and all those who are born of the Spirit. If I told you these things that happen right here on the earth, and yet none of you believe me, how can you believe, trust in, adhere to me, and rely on me if I tell you of heavenly things a few more verses verse 13 it says and yet no one has ever gone up from heaven but there is one who came down from heaven the son of man himself who is and dwells and has his home in heaven and just as moses lifted up the serpent in the desert on a pole so must so it's necessary that the son of man be lifted up on the cross you remember he's quoting back to the Old Testament that the, in the Old Testament uh, the the people of God uh, weren't serving the Lord or they they were they they had, they had backslid or they had fallen away and and snakes got into the camp and snakes started biting all the people of God. Have you ever been bit by a snake? Me neither, and I'm glad. These poisonous snakes started biting. God's people. And there was no answer. They didn't know what to do. What are we going to do with all these snakes? Man, people are dying. They're hollering. They're screaming. It's a painful death. And God told Moses, he says, Moses, take a bronze serpent. Make a serpent out of bronze and put it on a pole and stand that bronze serpent up. And whoever looks at that bronze serpent with, a, with an absorbing, steady gaze. And anybody that locks in to that bronze serpent with a steady, absorbing gaze, he says the poison won't have any effect on them. And here the Bible says that just like that serpent was lifted up. How many of y'all know we were all bitten? 
You may not have been bitten by a snake, but you've been bitten by sin. And the Bible says that we were born into death. And he says it was necessary, just like it was necessary in the Old Testament for this serpent to be listed up on a pole. It was necessary for Jesus to die on a cross and be lifted up. And that if you and I will look at him with a steady, absorbing gaze, then the poison won't have any effect. And you don't have to die, but you can actually live. The last verse we're going to read, it says, in verse 15, it says, In order that everyone who believes in, cleaves to him, trusts in him, and relies on him, shall not perish, but have eternal life and actually live forever. A verse we all know, John 3, 16, it says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized. How many of y'all know you're dearly prized? I don't feel like it. I know, I feel you sometimes, I don't always feel like it. But you are loved and dearly prized. The world that he even gave his only begotten unique son. So that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to and relies on him. Shall not perish or come to destruction and be lost. But you shall have eternal everlasting life. Three things I want to show you here this morning that the Lord told Nicodemus. The first thing he told him is you have to be born again. You have to be born again and in order for you and i to effectively understand the implications of this word these two words that he's given us you have to think about what it was like for you to be born the first time let me all know it was a major event in your life when you were born Maybe the most significant event in your whole life was when you and your mom and there was a a delivery and out you came and it was a major significant event. And Jesus could have used a different uh, a different example. You know, he could have said salvation is like winning the Olympics or salvation is like going from blue jeans to slack. Salvation is like the salvation. But he says, no, there's not anything that you can wrap your brain around except actual birth itself. And if you think about how radical and how out of nothing comes something is just the act of birth. It is bananas. Some of you had kids, you know what I'm talking about. I was there in the delivery room. It's nuts. Life changing. Not a small thing. Something totally huge. Just oh, just how it all goes down. That part's wonderful. But the largest cell in a human body is an egg. The smallest cell comes from the man. And when you take the largest and the smallest, all of a sudden you have the beginning of what's going to be birth. And one cell by day two, it's funny, I know this, because uh, I have a book. Because whenever Elizabeth, I'd open it, but I don't want you to have to wash your eyes. Whenever she, whenever she was, uh, it's so funny because yesterday this is on the back seat and I forgot it was back there and my kids were back there and I was driving and all of a sudden I heard, ew. So I had to pull off the road because I knew this is not going to be good. So I opened up and there's actual picture. Like they found the one picture of the lady like actually giving birth and Noble's like, what is that? And I was like, nothing, dude, nothing, just. Just close the book. Close the book. Just forget about it, man. So I'm not going to open the book. 
But we remember, listen, whenever we found out Elizabeth was pregnant with our first child, uh, we, this book tells you like everything that happens from day one to day two to week one to week two to week three. And every day something significant and amazing is happening. From the time there's conception to the very next day, it splits. Within a week, it's up to 150 cells. Within, within five weeks, you've got a spinal cord. Within three weeks, you have a heartbeat. I mean, every day, something amazing is totally happening. Cells are regenerating. And out of nothing, just out of the smallest and the biggest coming together, and inside this womb, you can see uh, eyeballs are starting to form and the fingers are starting to be there. And every day it's amazing and it's growing and it's significant until the point of that we're standing in the in the little er room and it's like it's time it's time it's time and i'm like oh lord and she's hollering but but it's it's significant and it's wonderful and this is the term that jesus used he said he says listen for you to be born again is supposed to be significant For you to be born again is not a 10 second prayer at an altar that gets you into heaven. It's supposed to be something that radically changes every fiber of your being. It changes your motives and your desires. It changes everything. And he could have used anything to say that that this is what it's like. But he chose, he says, Nicodemus, for you to understand and come in. He says, it's not like anything else. No more than you can describe what's really going on in a mother. And believe me, I've done a lousy job. I'm not a gynecologist. I'm not an OBGYN. I don't know all the medical terms. But even if you took the most astute person in that field, they really is hard to explain. It's really hard to explain how out of nothing can come a totally formed central nervous system with, with a heart that beats and lungs that work. It's hard to put that into words. And yet this is what Jesus said. He says, listen, you have to be born again. Jesus didn't come just so that you can have this experience to have eternal life. Although that's the most important decision any of us will make is, is making Jesus the Lord of our life. But something beyond that, something supernatural, something that gives us the title of a son of daughter of God comes of it. The second thing that he says, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. That word creature just means metamorphosis. So that's where, where we get that word from as far as a, a butterfly and a caterpillar. He says, listen, whenever you become a new creature in Christ, it actually says that you become a, a, a new species. Very strange. A new breed. A new in kind and quality. Whenever you became a new creature in Christ, you aren't just a forgiven sinner. He says, I've actually put my own DNA in you. I've made you a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The second thing he told Nicodemus is he says, there's certain things that you should know, but you don't know them. So he says, once you get born again, you need to get educated. Are there some things that you need to learn? Come on, God doesn't desire for any of us to get born again and then to stay a baby Christian the rest of our life. Now, just like a little baby should grow up, just like in the womb of a mother, every day there's going for not one day does the baby just take a day off. 
Not one day does the mother take a day off. No, inside that umbilical cord is two blue cords and one red one. And the red one's bringing the stuff that the baby needs and the two blue ones are taking the stuff that the baby doesn't need. And it's going on 24-7, 365, and that thing is growing. He told Nicodemus, he says, listen, there's things that you should know, but he says, but you don't know them. So don't stay ignorant. Number two, God wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to be the same five years from now that, that you were five years ago. He doesn't want you to be the same. He wants you to, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Therefore lay aside all malice. Lay aside all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word so that you may what? So that you may... There you go. So that you may grow thereby if indeed that you've tasted that the lord is gracious how many of you have tasted and seen that the lord he's very good doesn't mean everything's going to be great and perfect and work out doesn't mean you aren't going to have tragedy and difficulties but at the end of the day the lord's good at the end of the day joshua said he said i've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread at the end of the day the lord is good and he says, if you've seen that, he says, he says, listen, God wants you to, de to desire the milk of the word of God so that you can grow. Once you're born again, you need to grow. Don't be a, a five-year-old baby Christian. I'm going to move on. I don't want to. It's Easter. I don't want to step on anybody's toes too bad. The last one, John 3, 16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, and relies on the last thing he told him several times. He says, you need to be a believer. He says, whenever you hear things, particularly things like this, he says, you have to believe them. It's one thing to hear them, but it's another thing to believe them. Sometimes we have shame that attaches itself to us. I mean, think, yeah, but I don't, I don't think that I'm good enough, or I don't think that I've done enough, or I don't think that God's forgiven me enough. I don't think that I qualify, and we disqualify ourselves for sonship. And for, uh, for being a daughter. But again, listen, if I adopted a kid, if I adopted a child, I'd want him to know, listen, I chose you just like you are. And I'm not saying I condone everything that you're doing, but I need you to believe that I'm for you. I, I need you to believe that I want what's best for you. He says you need to be a believer. What's believe going to mean? It says to, tr to trust in, to cling to, and to rely on him, if you'll do these things, the Bible says that you won't come to destruction. Be born again, grow up, and then believe, trust in, rely in Him. Come on, I believe God's got good things for you this year. Come on, Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the fact that He's alive. But listen, this morning, I want you to celebrate the fact that He's alive in you. And that he's purchased some things for you. And that he's adopted you. And that he has an inheritance for you. Not just for some other person that you think is better than you. No, for you. He actually did it for you. He died. He arose for you. He's qualified you. And if you'll trust in, adhere to, if you'll believe that, then life can be different for you. Amen. God wants life to be different for you. Come on, you can hold your head up. Come on, that don't mean we don't make everybody. We all miss it. Listen, I preach every Sunday. And, and, and somehow I mess up during the week. And you wouldn't think that it would be so. But she'll tell you. 
She will testify. If I would turn her mic on, she would. But I won't turn her mic on. Because I know that she would testify that perfection is not what he's wanting. He's just wanting people to adhere to, cling to, rely on him and recognize. Come on, come on. The reason that we celebrate the resurrection is what he did for you, what he did for me. God's good. He's so wonderful. Praise God. Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you, just like Nicodemus, comes in the middle of the night wanting to know what do we have to have to be born again, to have eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you so plainly told him that that you came and lived and died, that we can have eternal life through you, that we can grow up and know you and understand you better, that we don't have to stay the same place with you today that, that we were last year, that we can go forward with you, that we believe and trust in you. If you're here, you've never been born again. Come on, I don't want to close this service or any service without giving you an opportunity to be born again. Jesus, very clearly, he says, listen, you have to be born again for the kingdom of God to live in you. You must be born again. If you're here, you've never been born again, never made Jesus the Lord of your life. It's so easy. It's easy for you and it's easy for me to do this. Uh, But he paid the ultimate price, the ultimate penalty. He paid it. He did the hard part. He gives us the opportunity to just say, I I believe. You said, I need to believe. I believe it. You said that you want me to be your son. I believe it. You said that you want to adopt me. I believe it. If you're here and you say, "I I need that. I've never been born again. I'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Not going to try to embarrass you or call you out. It really has nothing to do with me. It's all about you and all about him. If you need to be born again this morning, I'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Is there anybody like that this morning? I ask you to raise your hand. You say, I don't know if I have eternal life. I don't know if, if, if I'm saved. I don't know if I've been born again, if this radical transformation has taken place in my life. I don't know. 